Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed on dry land. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Amen. Well, I wonder if you have a favorite journey, a trip that you go on where actually, if you were honest, you secretly enjoy the journey rather than the destination where you end up. Don't think about the in-laws, don't think about that family trip or whatever, but have you got a trip like that that you really, really look forward to doing. Maybe you want to go on what the Scottish uh, Tourist Board have named the North Coast 500. It's their imaginative uh, rebranding of uh, 500 miles around the north coast of Scotland. It begins and ends in Inverness. It goes via Gerloch, Wick, Dornoch and Dingwall. And uh, you will be lucky if you see any of the hills uh, on that particular trip. Maybe like me, you have a dream. My dream is to drive Route 66 in America, to drive from Chicago to California in a convertible, a soft top car, and just me and Kathy driving on a road trip. She would hate it, uh, but I would love it, and we'd see all the different places in between. Uh, and it doesn't matter to me whether we drive from Chicago to California or California to Chicago. That is one of my dreams. Um, maybe you, uh, like me, love going down the East Coast on the train. 
Um, you, you travel down, maybe going to York or to London, and you drive down, you, you don't drive the train because that wouldn't be right. You're on the train, if you're driving it, that's, that's a problem. And uh, you're on the train and you just look out over the North Sea, the sun is glistening on the North Sea, it's beautifully uh, blue sky and it's, it's just absolutely dead calm and you, you, you look across to the Holy Island and you just, oh, it's beautiful and Lindisfarne and you, you get as far as, as York and then things start to go downhill uh, after that, literally. But maybe you have a favorite journey. What we're looking at this morning in that passage that Connor read for us from 2 Kings is an exceptional and significant journey. It's the journey that these two men, Elijah, who has been the prophet of God, and Elisha, um, we've debated in the office how to, to say Elisha's name. Um, uh, some people landed on Elisha, and so I pointed out that she was a judge on Strictly Come Dancing. Um, so I'm going to go for Elijah and Elisha. Uh, but some people do say Elisha. Um, but Elijah and Elisha. Elisha, who is the successor to Elijah as the prophet of God. And this is Elijah's final day on earth. God has told him that for some reason he, along with somebody called Enoch in the Old Testament, will be only the only two people who won't die. They will be taken up into heaven. We don't know why this happens, but that's what happens. Enoch is taken up to heaven without dying, and now Elijah is taken up into heaven without dying. And this is Elijah's final day. Elijah knows that it's his final day. Elisha knows that it's Elijah's final day. And they go on this journey. They begin at this place called Gilgal. They then go to Bethel. They then go to Jericho. And they end up by the Jordan. And each place is significant. Each place has significance for Elijah. Each place has significance for the children of Israel. And I think... Each place has significance for us. So they begin in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 2, at this place called Gilgal, the place of beginning. This is the place that the children of Israel had stopped at when they had crossed over the Jordan. Gilgal was the place where once they'd crossed the Jordan and entered into Canaan, the promised land... It was the place where they stopped. It was the place where they rested. They'd been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience and their rebellion. Well, actually, it wasn't the disobedience and the rebellion of the people who crossed over into Canaan because everybody who rebelled, everybody who disobeyed, everybody who hadn't believed enough in God, they had died in the wilderness. And the next generation under Joshua have crossed over the Jordan. They're on the other side of the Jordan. They're on the other side of the river. They're on the other side of the sea. And they are now in a place of beginning, a place of rest, a place of security, a place of safety, a place just to take stock and look around. 
to remember where they've come from and that now they're no longer in the wilderness, but a place also of preparation before they start to move into the promised land. It's a place of rest, a place of safety, a place of security, and a place of preparation. And that's where Elijah and Elisha begin. Now, it would have been very easy for the people of Israel to have just stayed there. They've been wandering about for 40 years. They reached just across the Jordan. They reached this place, and it would have been easy for them to stay there. But that wasn't their final destination. Neither was it Elijah or Elisha's final destination. Elijah gives Elisha the option to stay there. He says, God's told me to move on, um, move on to Jericho, but you can stay here. And Elijah says, no, 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 no. And he comes out with this phrase, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm going to be with you. And so Elijah and Elisha move from Gilgal and they move to the second place in verse 3, the place of prayer. Bethel is the place where in Genesis 12 and verse 8, Abraham had built an altar to God. It's a place where he'd returned often. It was a place where the children of Israel went back to often. And they would build these cairns. They would build these piles of stones as a memorial for themselves and succeeding generations. This was where God met us. This was where we did business with God. Bethel was a place of prayer. It was a place of struggle. It was a place of wrestling. It was a place of surrender. Bethel was, in the words of the Celtic church, a thin place. A place where the divide between eternity and time, heaven and earth, was thinner it's a place like the island of Iona. Or maybe you have a thin place. A place where you're just conscious of God in a far greater way. For many people, this building is a thin place. It's a place where they encounter God, where the divide between eternity and time, between heaven and earth, seems to become thinner. Bethel was that for Abraham. Bethel was that for the children of Israel. Bethel was that for Elijah. A place of prayer, a place of wrestling, a place of struggle, but ultimately too a place of surrender. And when they get to Bethel, they meet a school of prophets. Under Samuel, various schools of prophets have been established. Uh, these are like theological colleges or seminaries for people to be trained in the school of prophecy. And Samuel had established these, Elijah had carried them on, and there's a school of prophets, and they, they come to Elisha and they say, do you know, do you know that today is the day that your master Elijah is going to be taken from you? And Elisha turns to them and says, duh. That's the original Hebrew uh, of what he said. He said, yeah, of course I know. I know that this is the day. But, he says, be quiet 
A more literal translation is be still. Be, 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 be still yourself almost. He's saying, look, Elijah has to focus. Elijah has to be present. Elijah has to be in the moment. Elijah has to be left alone because of what he's going through. This is his last day on earth. So be quiet. Don't bother him. Don't, don't get involved with him. And Elijah comes to Elisha again and, and says, the Lord's told me to go to Jericho. You can stay here with the school of prophets. And again, Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives, and as surely as you live, brackets, which I know isn't that long, I'm going to stay with you. And so they move from Gilgal to Bethel and then on to Jericho. Verse 4. And Jericho is the place of battle. It's a place where Elijah would have looked back, perhaps, back to that first battle where Joshua had marched the people of Israel around the walls of the city of Jericho, and where they'd walked and walked and walked and played the trumpets, and eventually the walls had fallen down. And maybe an Elijah had looked back over his own life, and he'd remembered all the battles that he'd gone through. His mind perhaps went back to Mount Carmel, where he'd, he, he'd battled the prophets of Baal in this sort of big cosmic spiritual showdown with the forces of evil. He thought about his battle with the king, Ahab, or his battle with the, the queen, Jezebel. Or perhaps he looked more inwardly and thought of the battles that he'd faced within. Where just after that amazing encounter on Mount Carmel where he'd seen off all the prophets of Baal, where Jezebel had said, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. Elijah had just fled and ended up all alone, depressed, suicidal, saying, that's it, God, I'm done, I'm finished, let me die. In a place of spiritual desolation and loneliness. So maybe as Elijah arrived in Jericho, it was a place of battle, but his own mind went back to his own battles on Mount Carmel, or battling with depression, or battling with spiritual isolation, or even those thoughts of suicide. Jericho is a place of battle. And again, a school of prophets were there. And again, they come and say, do you know that today is the day? And again, Elisha says to them, duh, I know that today is the day. I know that today is the day that my master will be taken up into heaven. But be quiet, leave him alone. He needs time to process what's going on. He needs his own space. Be quiet. And so they walk the final 14 miles to the Jordan, and they arrive at the Jordan, which is the place of victory, 2 Kings 2 and verse 6. For the children of Israel, the Jordan was the place of miracles and deliverance, and now it would be also a place where God, for one final time almost, in Elijah's life, would display his power. We're told that 50 men from the prophet schools, we're not told where they're from, whether they're from Bethel or Gilgal or Jericho, they, they travel and they stand a distance away from Elijah and Elisha. They watch as Elijah takes his cloak and throws it down on the Jordan, and they see the waters part, just as the waters parted for Moses 
and the Red Sea, just as the waters had parted uh, when the priests had gone into the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant, Elijah throws his cloak down and the waters part and Elijah and Elisha walk over to the other side. They walk across on dry land until they're on the other side and then the waters come back. And you see where Elijah and Elisha have ended up. They've gone from Gilgal, the place of beginning. They've gone to Bethel, the house of prayer. They've gone to Jericho, the place of battle. They've gone to Jordan, which is the place of victory. But now they're on the other side of the river. They're back in the wilderness. They're back on the other side of the Jordan. And it's at that point... And only at that point, when they're on the other side, that Elisha turns to Elijah and asks him for something. Elijah actually invites it. He says, tell me, now is the time. What would you like me to do for you? And Elisha says, to let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. In essence, what he's saying is, I want more of the power of God in my life. And I want more of the power of God in my life, even than I've seen in you. Because if God is going to call me to be a prophet, if God is going to call me to speak to the nations, if God is going to call me to live the sort of life that he's called you to live, I'm going to need more of the Spirit of God than even you have had. Give me a double portion of your spirit. I'm weaker than you, Elijah. I'm not up to the task. And I'm going to need more of the power of God than I've seen in your life. And Elijah says, you've asked for a big thing. You've asked for a difficult thing. And then he replies with this curious phrase. It's almost like a sort of divine conjuring trick. Because Elijah says, well, when I'm taken up into heaven, if you see me, you'll get it. But if you don't see me, you won't get it. It's almost like sort of, watch the right hand. Ah, see, you didn't see what the left hand's doing. And then as they're walking, it's just as they're walking. They're not praying. They're not singing songs. They're not having some super spiritual moment. It's as they're walking. And the sense is they're just going about their business. Just like the couple on the road to Emmaus when Jesus appears to them. They're just walking along. They're just living life normally. And that's when it happens. That's when Elijah and Elisha see. And it's Elisha who sees it first. A chariot of fire and horses of fire appearing. And Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind, literally a gust of wind or a windy moment, something that we're familiar with living in Edinburgh. A gusty moment. And the chariot of fire and the horses of fire swoop down and they separate Elijah and Elisha and Elijah is taken up and Elisha is left. But he saw it. And so he gets the double portion of God's Spirit. And the thing that's left behind is Elijah's cloak 
literally his mantle, and he picks it up and he rips it in two. And he walks back to the Jordan, strikes the bank, the waters part, and he walks through dry land onto the other side, back to the 50 prophets for whom now there is no doubt that a succession plan is in place. The mantle has literally passed from Elijah to Elisha. Four places, four questions for each of us this morning. The first question is, where are you this morning? As you think about where you are, not physically, but emotionally, psychologically, or spiritually, and those three things will be intertwined, we're whole beings, you can't dissociate one from the other. Where are you emotionally? Where are you spiritually? And where are you psychologically? Does it feel as though you're in Gilgal, a place of security and safety, of rest and refreshment and preparation? Does it feel as though you're in Bethel, a house of prayer, a thin place? God seems very, very close to you. Or maybe it feels as though you're at Jericho, a place of battle, a place of struggle, a place of conflict. Or maybe it feels that you're at the Jordan, a place of victory. God seems very close to you at the moment. You're able to think, God did that for me, God did that for me, God did that for me. And that's where you are. Gilgal, a place of security and rest and refreshment and preparation. Bethel, a thin place where God seems very close. Or maybe God seems very distant. Jericho, a place of battle, a place of conflict. Or the Jordan, a place of victory. And the second question is very simple. Should you be where you are this morning? You see, there's nothing wrong with any of those four places. Nothing wrong with being in a place of security and rest and refreshment and preparation. But the danger is that you stay there too long. There's nothing wrong with being in a thin place, a place of prayer, where God can seem very close or very distant, because that's what happens in prayer. There's nothing wrong with staying there, but actually some people can use staying in that place of prayer as an excuse for what they know God's called them to do and what God has called them to be. Sounds really spiritual. I'm praying about it. I'm still praying about it. Yeah, I'm still praying about it. People often like that seem very spiritual, but the reality is they're using it as a cop-out. Maybe it's that place of conflict, of battle. Maybe some of us are at the point of giving up in battle. We're so weary, we're so tired that we're not sure we can go on. 
And paradoxically, even in the place of victory, the temptation is to stay there too long. When God seems very close, when you're very conscious of what God has done for you, the temptation is to stay there. On Friday evening this week, we're going to have a church Cayley. We're going to celebrate looking back 10 years to when we moved back into this refurbished building. We're going to celebrate what you as a church have done, given nearly £7 million to enable this to happen and all the ministry that's happened over the last 10 years in the life of this church. It'll be right to dance together, to eat together. Please bring your own soft drinks. Uh, but we'll dance together and we'll eat together. I'll try not to throw Kathy on the floor this time, but it may happen. But there would be something wrong if we stayed in Kaylee mode the whole time. It's wrong, paradoxically, to stay in the place of victory for too long. So this morning, is God calling you to move on from where you are? Is God calling you to move on from that place of security and rest and refreshment, Gilgal? Because actually it's a place of preparation. And the time of preparation is over. God has something for you to do. Maybe it's time to move on from the place of prayer. It's time to stop praying about what God is calling you to do. And it's time just to get on and do it. A friend of mine used to, um, he is a charismatic Christian, but he, he became quite cynical about sort of the whole um, prophetic stuff and words of knowledge and pictures. And he used to sort of uh, satirize it by saying, oh, my children, my love for you is like a bucket. And I would that you would draw from this bucket. And I would that you would read my book book and then I wouldn't have to give you these silly pictures. <laughs> the time for praying may be over about that particular thing. God has spoken clearly to you and it's time to move to the prayer place of battle, of conquest, or the place of victory. So where are you? Should you be staying there? And thirdly, are you missing out on where God wants to take you? It's striking that at each place, Elijah turns to Elisha and says, you can stay here. God's called me to go to Jericho. God's called me to go to the Jordan, but you can stay here, Elisha. And Elisha replies with that phrase, as surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I will be with you. Because Elisha knows that he's got to keep on going. Elisha knows that he's got to keep on going with God. Elisha knows that God has more for him. That if he stays in Gilgal, or if he stays in Bethel, or if he stays at Jericho, he'll miss out on seeing Elijah taken up into heaven. And he'll miss out on being given more of God's power in his life. And finally, what are you asking God for? And is it big enough? Elisha asked God for a double portion of his spirit. And Elijah said to him, what you are asking for is a difficult thing. 
Erwin McManus observes this. He says, we often want God to give us more of the wrong things while settling for less of the things that matter most. We often want God to give us more of the wrong things while settling for less of the things that matter most. In another guise, Jim Collins, who's one of the sort of the management gurus, he speaks, he speaks about successful companies having BHAGs, B-H-A-G, big, hairy, audacious goals. Is what you're asking God for big enough, important enough, significant enough? Or have you settled for asking God actually for the things that don't really matter? So is God calling you to stay where you are? Is God calling you to move from where you are? Should you be where you are? Where you are may be a good place, but actually God has something else for you. I'll let you in on a secret. Every three years, Kathy and I say to God, do you want us to stay at P's and G's? We never imagined that we would stay here this long, 22 years. We thought we'd come for five or six years and, and then move on somewhere else. Some of you, when you appointed me, never thought that I would stay this long. And you're saying, Lord, please speak to him louder. But every three years, we've just had this sense that God is saying, it's right that you stay. It's right that you stay. But we've said to God, does peace and G's need someone else to lead it? Does, do I need somewhere else for the next challenge for my growth? And there's just the sense that we have that the next season is yes, we're to be here. That may disappoint some of you. But I use that as an illustration just to say we've never presumed that we should be here. We count it a privilege to be part of this church. This is the church that we would come to and be part of if we lived in Edinburgh, even if I wasn't paid to be part of this church. What we've gone through over the last week or so, very hard, very tough, with the death of, of a former youth group member. And somebody said to, to Paul, our new associate, are oh, you not seeing us at our best? And I've thought about it this week and thought, actually, Paul, you are seeing us at our best. Because you're seeing P's and G's being the church. You're seeing P's and G's being a family to each other. You're seeing P's and G's crying with each other, as well as laughing with each other because that's what it's about being a church so are you in the right place is God calling you to stay where you are or is God calling you to move on from where you are and are you asking God for the right things and are you asking God for things that are bigger and more dangerous and more risky